Hello and welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we get people from around the world to tell us how they saw the news from the past month. This is episode 23 for March 2010. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is indeed episode 23. I've been off of the of the um, on the episode number for about I guess three or four shows. So this time I said I wasn't going to be uh, wrong and I think I'm not, but I'm not sure. I will double check and I might be wrong. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey Patrick, very good. Excellent. Uh, Turkey is here. Uh, only because he managed to get his uh, notifications working on his iPhone because he slightly forgot about the show, <laughs> right? Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, I can't resist it when you say <laughs> sorry like this. And Randy uh, is here also, Randy Jordan. Uh, so, of course, you all know that Turkey is from Saudi Arabia. And Randy is from... Uh, wh what? Where are you from officially now? We're, you, you're we're, originally we're, from we're, Texas, but... Right, right. Uh, 35 years in Texas, uh, the last uh, year plus in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and working on Hawaii. Ooh, the next time I'm on the show, you might be able to say I'm I'm calling in from Hawaii. And, well, hope. the next time uh, you're on the show, if you're in Hawaii, I might be there with you. Oh, well, I... that's that is that is the best thing. I think at the whole show, like you should, you know, in Hawaii, you find a lot of people from different parts of the world. Sure. So you could actually just do the whole show there. Just I like the way you're thinking, sir. <laughs> Um, all right, so there are a number of different uh, topics to tackle today, but I think we're going to start with a um, what some might say a more trivial uh, topic, because in only, uh, what, nine minutes now, Turkey is going to have to make a choice, the Earth <laughs> or the podcast. <laughs> if you uh, are not that's... aware, we are recording on uh, Saturday the 27th. And it is uh, Earth Hour uh, everywhere in the world at 8.30 p.m. You're supposed to... To do what exactly? To turn off all electrical equipment for an hour? Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was originally organized by the World Wildlife Fund. And uh, this is only the third year of Earth Hour where they, they picked the 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. for various reasons. And you're just supposed to, to go around and eliminate as much of your electrical usage as you possibly can and uh we're we're going to do that for for me it's it's uh, late in the morning right now but later this evening we are going to do this and in, in fact uh, the the neat thing about it is when you when you sit back and say okay i have unplugged everything um what am i going to do now uh you most people end up hitting on the concept that you should go outside and take a walk it's a fantastic time for you to just spend an hour you know, walking the dog or, or what have you. Well, what, and, and so if everyone's doing to, that, then then the streets are full of people. It's annoying. Right. It brings people together, though. That's the. You see how that. But you know, another so, way so, that they so can people, be brought together, stop, they could, they could be brought driving. together by a prime time TV show that they're all watching at the same time. <laughs> that's yeah. that's uh, but but work. you know the the my my joke is you should go outside 
uh, with your electrical bill and compare it with your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, so, it, so what it, do you think Turkey is going to do? Well, let's ask him because he only has seven minutes now to tell us. Well, let's see. Um, I think the Earth will be here for the next 50 years. My uh, descendants can worry about it when it happens to their turn. I don't care. What you are a horrible person. <laughs> Do you want to have children? Mm, yeah. So wait, let, let me get this straight. Do you believe that there is a climate problem? Do because I believe if... there is a climate problem? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay, so you think there is a problem. It's not like you think, no, this is, you know, bullcrap and we don't have an issue and uh, it's all going to resolve itself. You think there is a problem, but you think, whatever, I don't care. The next the, the, generation the, can worry about can't. it. I'll enjoy my life. What about if it's too late in 50 years? Oh, it's too late, then they can just die. I don't care. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> I know you're saying you're only saying this. <laughs> no, do you, do you want to have children? I just asked, and I forgot the question because the shock of what you said was so. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. So do you? So do you, you? Randy just had a baby, right? Three three months you, ago. You realize that by saying this, you are uh, willfully C condemning the life of of his baby. <laughs> Little Will, sleeping next to his dad right now, hearing you almost through the earphones, yeah. is hearing that you're saying those horrible things. You don't care. Hey, I'm not going to sacrifice my comfort for someone else. You know what? As much <laughs> as I would like to hate you for saying it, I have to say I'm fairly certain that most people who have heard the show who are hearing the show right now um, and uh, were aware of Earth Hour because they, they, they're listening to it obviously uh, after Earth Hour has come and gone and they were aware of it probably and most people didn't do anything about it. You know, they, they thought, oh yeah, that's a cool idea and they <clears> went on watching this. No, you, you, want, you want to know what's really funny? Hmm? Apparently uh, here, Saudi Arabia is for, for the first time uh, joining the Earth Tower celebration. So they're going to turn the lights off in the streets and the major buildings are turning their lights off. But hmm. uh, when the news came out, they said that electricity will be cut off during Earth Hour. And everybody <laughs> has been going like crazy thinking there won't be any power at 8.30 today. Well, and, it, it, you know, that it, would be you. an interesting experiment. Obviously, it can be done because you have emergency services and such. But uh, you got emergency it, services, you got children, you got heat, air conditioning, and especially these turbines. They need to get that electricity out. If they shut them down, it's going to take hours just to restart them. So, mm. well, that, you know, it's an experiment that's been done many times, and not not uh, in you know looking forward, but looking back at major blackouts. We're able to reach all sorts of interesting conclusions. There was a, a massive blackout in the northeastern United States and midwestern Ooh, is it uh, Will Canada. I'm hearing now? Oh, yeah, it is. That's, hey, Will. That's surprising. You would think a, a condenser mic wouldn't be so uh, <laughs> so picky. But anyway, um, 
you know, there have been there was a huge blackout in 2003. There was a big one in Brazil in 1999. And when those things happen, you're that able to Brazil, look back. was in Brazil last year. Right. There was, a, it was not as large as the one in 99. But uh, you're able to look back at the results, you know, in terms of what changed in the atmosphere, what changed in, you know, the, in the local uh, economics and so forth. And mm. there's some really interesting conclusions that are drawn from blackouts, yeah. but basically, not really what Earth Hour is about. Yeah, basically, uh, there are more kids being born nine months after the blackout than any time <laughs> else. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, well, it's hard to, honestly, the thing is, I don't think I'm going to do much, you know, during the, the earth hour, it's a few hours away, um, turning up, it seems futile. Um, I mean, we, we might go back to this a, a little bit later. Uh, there was an election in France, um, last week in the past, you know, two, two weeks actually, because we had two turns, um, and I, I voted, uh, I actually voted green, um, at least when I could. So it se th that seems like the thing to do. The Earth Hour, I guess it does raise awareness, but... You're making me into the proponent for it, and I don't mind that position. Yeah. Uh, well, you're, it's, you're it's, the only one among us who's doing it. it the, pur the purpose of it I find very fascinating. And so I would, I would challenge anyone listening or, or thinking about it who maybe didn't do it on Saturday night to try this for themselves anyway. Pick an hour, you know, late in the day, not necessarily at night, but late, just late afternoon. Pick an hour, go around your house, uh, your apartment, um, unplug everything and reduce your electricity burden to as, as far down as you can. And the reason that I suggest it as an experiment is because it teaches you a lot about what you're, you know, what you're using and not using. And that's that's valuable information to have. And you know, I I understand uh, you know Turkey's position. I my comfort is paramount. But your comfort is based on your ability to pay for comforting things. And so, what I think should supersede that in your mind is saving money. And it's a it's a fantastic way to learn how to save some money. It just you know just and if you do it regularly, then it becomes habit. And once it's habit, then uh, there's your savings, and by the way, you're also uh, you know helping everybody else in the world at the same time. You know, okay, can I use my iPhone if I do all this? Supposedly, it's using <laughs> electricity because I have to recharge it more afterwards, right? So I can't I, do that. I, I don't. I have struggled with that because I could imagine sitting with the laptop unplugged, you know, and watching a movie, playing a video game on my iPhone. It doesn't. No, during... it doesn't work. Yeah, I don't think it does either. I think mm. that that just shifts the electrical burden. Hmm. But it doesn't actually eliminate it for an hour. Yeah, you you're know, supposed I, to go back to the 1700s. That's how it works. <laughs> I would, have, know, been, I would have been a minute man in the revolution. Is that how you picture me wearing a funny hat with with those leggings that tighten up right under my knees? Is that how you picture me? I picture That's you like an that anyway. Image. <laughs> um, you know, I, I always come back to that um, uh, that thing that uh, Bill Maher used to say. He said, if we could, it's, it's really about not willing, he calls it, you know, laziness, but it's about not willing to make a small sacrifice in your comfort. And he said, he used to say, if you could solve the problem of 
global warming by having people not use their remote control and having to get up to change the TV channel on the TV, people still wouldn't do it. And I look at this and I'm like, oh, these people are so selfish and so blah, blah, blah. Of course, I would do that. But it's easy for me to say I don't have a TV. I don't watch TV. If it if you shifted things to you can't use your iPhone, you have you know you can't use a smartphone, you have to go back to regular phones with no internet connection. That I was perfectly fine with two or three years ago. Would I do it? I I'm not sure I would. I well huh, I don't know. If it was like my doing it would save global warming single handedly, maybe I would. But <laughs> Randy, how about we just give him a dare? Let's see if Patrick does it. Do what? Give up your iPhone for two days. Why? What <laughs> just, happens? Uh, just nothing. I just want to see <laughs> if you can do it. Hmm. I'm sure I could do it. You know, if I'm on, if I'm traveling, then I don't have the 3G connectivity because I don't pay for it. You know, outside the country, and I don't die. But it's the kind of thing I don't really see the benefit of depriving myself of it. You know, would mm. you do it? Me without my iPhone? Yeah, to save the world. Dude, I'll go mad. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe what a what a small thing you're asking for. You know, like uh, usually the the question is is so much larger. Like, uh, how you know would you be willing to sacrifice basically your entire life for you know for one other person? Well, uh, that, and that's we've got to we've got to see solutions to global problems. As Dude, iPhone is my life. I'm not sacrificing <laughs> my life for someone else. But you know, usually the thing is, uh, it's it's often about when you when you speak a little bit more realistically, because your iPhone is not going to change anything to global warming. But when you speak a little bit more realistically, it's about uh, you know not using your car all that much or. Uh, not consuming a lot of electricity in the whole house when you're, you know, keeping the lights on in the room where you're not. And for me, you know, my, my apartment is very small, so I don't have any of this. I don't use a car ever because I use public transportation everywhere because I'm in a city which has good public transportation and it's Lucky actually you. easier. Yeah, exactly. Lucky you. I so, wish we had good public transportations around here. I'm, well, I, I think I'm kind of a good earth citizen already kind of I, my computer stayed on uh, uh, all the time before it doesn't anymore because i'm not home as much um i don't know i feel do you do you have did you specifically sit down with your computer's power saving options and try to try to align it to your life so that it you know so that it turns itself off and it is in standby for you when you're not um, using it no i turned it off now when i'm not using it I just, just all together, you just shut yeah, down? Yeah, completely. I, I used to uh, keep it on all the time, like all the time. Um, to be honest, uh, Windows 7 starting up that fast and shutting down that fast is helping me. So thank you, Microsoft, for... Well, and, definitely Windows... don't torrent at all, but definitely. That's <laughs> when, no, Windows 7 came with, with big, almost forced on, on the user's power-saving options. Mm. It, it's, uh, you, if you don't take steps to reverse it going from uh, earlier operating systems to Windows 7 will take your electricity usage down quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I noticed that it went uh, on sleep mode or whatever hibernation a few times when I was uh, doing something else. Um, anyway, th that's taking a lot of time to talk about, well, our collective future. Maybe um, we should. But um, 
There are other things we could be talking about, not the least of which would be... Hmm, there are two big, t big uh, topics. Um, even three, there's the thing happening in, uh, in Thailand, which I'm not very familiar with, the red shirts. So I don't know if we can talk about this. I uh, really... they, they are not celebrating Earth Day today. <laughs> no, seriously, they are not. Yeah, no, I know. They have yeah. other fish to fry. Yeah, um, they, it's a, 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 there were, they decided not to turn any lights off for security reasons. Oh, really? Sorry, I didn't realize you were actually serious about that specific thing. No, I am. That's okay. the thing. They decided not to turn any lights off in Bangkok due to security. Wow, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah so but that was one of the things we, we could be talking about. But maybe a little bit later, uh, there is uh, the whole general climate with Israel, which is definitely has been interesting in the past month. Um, and also the healthcare debate and the healthcare vote in, in the U.S., which I have a few questions about because it's not absolutely clear um, what's happened. And I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, ask, uh, uh, I'll ask Randy. I, um, I think I have a pretty clear idea of what's going on. Excellent. Let's talk about uh, Israel first, if you guys uh, agree. Um, to sum things up, it was basically um, for the past month, a little bit more even. Um, so I guess everyone knows Israel has been taking very um, surprising, if not aggressive, uh, steps towards uh, colonization, restarting colonization, um, and pretty much unilaterally, it, these steps have been condemned. I mean, the U.S. has been very, uh, you know, looking at Israel sternly, um, and the European Union and France even, which are traditional, uh, well, you know, or everyone is a traditional ally of Israel, um, have been very, sort of, the feeling that I got was like, we knew that that line had been elected, but what are you doing? Kind of disbelief, I think, would be the way I would describe uh, the reaction. Of course, in the in the news, it's not reported that clearly, but it sort of has a, an air of what do you think this is going to achieve? So everyone has been trying to talk Israel out of it. Uh, mostly, it's not been uh, effective, and uh, the U.S. It, it's been reported as very cold relationships with Israel, it, with a little bit of warm-up in the past week or so, I would say, but without any actual effect and um, sort of, hmm, I would say we are not very happy with Israel right now for everything they're doing. Um, is that an accurate description of uh, the way things have been going? I, I'd, I'd say that's an accurate description of both the Vice President Joe Biden meeting with Benjamin Net, uh, Netanyahu, and also the this week there was a meeting between uh, U.S. President Barack Obama and uh, and Netanyahu. And I'd say uh, while they they come they always come away and say we had a, this was a good talk and it was very candid yeah. and very productive and they you know they shake hands and they put on a grim face. Uh, you could tell that uh, behind closed doors, Joe Biden just wanted to give the guy the finger. I mean, that that mm. <laughs> there there are some very stern 
uh, uh, yeah. positions so, being taken. Yeah, it's not like, you know, diplomatic relationships are being broken here. That's, you know, not even in the realm of possibility. But no, 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 definitely, no. Uh, it's the first time, I think, in my in, in recent memory that the, the relationships are so uh, so difficult. And that it there is such a clear opposition to uh, the line towed by by the Israeli government. Um, to me, I can't remember any other time that it was that strong. Um, Turkey, I guess it's easy to imagine where Saudi Arabia has uh, been standing. Mm, you think so? <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I, uh, I guess what actually, would be... actually, actually, right now there is a, a, an Arab League meeting in Libya where the major topic is uh, Jerusalem and Israel, mm. where they're discussing it and uh, they're really pissed off at Israel at the moment. Well, if we are sort of angry, I can imagine how the Arab countries feel. But you know, one question <laughs> I would like to ask you is. How do, do the Arab countries, and you know, obviously you know more of Saudi Arabia, but um, how do they react to our reaction? Because this is the first time that we're not exactly on the same position, but at least on the same side of the issue. We're all condemning the, the, what Israel is doing. Um, is there any, you know, news about, I don't know, for example, saying even President Barack Obama is uh, sending Hillary Clinton to Israel to, you know, slap the wrists of the uh, Israeli government? I, I, I think uh, the, the, thing, the thing I, I want to make clear is that I, don't, I haven't seen any condemnation whatsoever of Israel from really any of the, you know, of the Western states. Uh, what uh, what we see though is now you know when uh, whenever there's a meeting with someone from Israel, there's a statement uh, like, uh, "Would you please not make any more expansions because every new settlement you you know you put out gets you so much backlash that you're better off not doing it." And you know even and and Israel makes the case, well you know it's our right to put a settlement here. It's the right thing to do for you know Israelis. And the Western countries are all saying, even if it's right, the the way it is seen is not worth doing it. You know, that's that's really the it's there's not so much condemnation, you know, outrage really? as as well. It's not it's not very vocal outrage, but it's definitely the opposite of approval. I don't know if you can call it condemnation, I I, I, I which has a that. very official term. Term, you know. I, I I agree with that. I'm just saying that that Israel is not you know committing crimes against humanity and they're they're excusing every every move they make uh, you know very well this is our it's our right to do this we and, and and it is right to do so and you know and the whole world is is starting to line up in disagreement with them on one side it, outrage and condemnation but on the other side just un, uh, trying to explain to the israelis that you shouldn't you shouldn't do something just because it's your right mm. to if it makes you look so bad, you know. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely some of that too. Um, but yeah, t Turkey. Sorry, we sort of uh, cut you off. No, it's okay. Well, basically, the thing is, uh, this is they are now expanding in East Jerusalem, which is basically Arab Jerusalem, 
So that is in a way most most Arabs are seeing it as a way of Israel trying to turn into Jerusalem a completely Jewish city. Mm. So that's that's where the major problem is, and whatever. And so it's not the settlement say, in the Gaza Strip. No, right now it's about Jerusalem. The Gaza Strip have they already froze those settlements? Mm. The problem is they insist on building in East Jerusalem, the Arab uh, neighborhood. They're building new settlements there in the Arab neighborhood, new housing for Jews, and that's where the problem is at the moment. Right. And uh, as for the reaction of the world. Uh, no one in the Arab world really cares what the reaction of the Western world is because words are meaningless for all the Arabs. They've heard a lot and they're just tired of it. Unless there's something, they do something worthy of uh, the, the intentions of the Arabs, nobody really cares what they say. So when you say something worth of the uh, worthy of the attention, do you say um, what Brandy was talking about? If there was like a, an official UN resolution condemning the, um, the 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 expansion, would that be yeah. significant? Yeah, that would be significant, especially if the vote or the US votes yes, which mm. the US will never vote yes. Of course not. The US yeah. e are either vote no or they'll abstain. So it doesn't really matter. Okay. So it's uh, or the U.S. at least doing something serious and uh, uh, stopping uh, some of the uh, financial support to Israel or stop some of the sales of weapons or something, but hold it until Israel turns back on its yeah, policy. That, but that's that's not going to happen. Yeah. So what what good yeah. is uh, condemning if you're not going to do anything about it? Well, you don't think there is you know pressure, political pressure that can uh, ensue from the uh, the the initial reaction. It it does mean something that all Western countries are now unhappy with Israel. You know, it's not... It's, it's, it's not... propaganda. So for, for Arabs, it's mm. just propaganda. They don't care what... And uh, let's see. Uh, the only country that has changed its policy and trying to look tough is uh, the U.S. France, uh, Britain has always condemned uh, Israel on different occasions. So it's not, no big deal coming from them. They're used to condemning Israel. Mm. But the only Not like that, though. Is... It, it, it wasn't like that. It wasn't no, the same no, thing because no, there, there's they, really a u unity in the in the the condemnation in the voices, you know. Yeah, but at the end, what good is a condemnation if you don't? Apparently, the, it works in Iraq. Iraq, they condemn, then they have a UN resolution, then they invade, then they take over <laughs> the country, overthrow the government, blah blah blah. Apparently, it works when they do it to Iraq or Afghanistan. But when it comes to Israel, no, we stop the line. We well, just okay. There is, there, you know, there's been condemnation of Palestine also a, a few times. So it's not like you can do it, you know, just condemn then the straight line to uh, UN resolution invasion, blah blah blah. It's not, you know, you're being a little bit unfair here. The 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 the, the uh, condemnation of of uh, one thing that you wish would be followed by actual action has happened in the other the other way too. And I'm sure you wouldn't have wanted it to turn into, uh, you know, resolution and inv invasions systematically. It, it, there is significance to the but, condemnation but, to begin with. But, but there's no resolutions. There's no real act. It's all talk and talk and talk. Seriously, what good yeah. is talk doing us? Um, well, I would but, argue it's important, but um, I I, well, I think it uh, you know what what good is talk doing us will be answered you know by the Arab League summit. Um, they they have a lot of very interesting issues on their plate, and you know will they what will they say about uh, 
Iran's, uh, you know, nuclear program, for example, uh, it, 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 it's meaningful. It, it, may not, it may not result in meaningful actions, but, you know, what is said will be meaningful. Uh, no, no. Let's 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 be honest. And this is what every single Arab thinks about the Arab uh, summit. They think the Arab summit is a complete BS, waste of time. Arabs go complain, issue words, come back and do nothing. So it, nobody in this Arab world even cares what's going on in the Arab summit. Seriously. Really? And that's the yeah, exactly. Trust me, no one, no of the normal people, the citizens, the people you talk to on the streets, they don't care, period, about what goes in the Arab summit because it's a waste of time. You know, I I might have agreed with you about these big um intergovernmental uh, organizations. I think when I first started the show, um I didn't really see the value of these uh these organizations. But over the, the months and years, I've really seen how a, 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 an organization like the, the, you know, European Union has, you know, actual effect. And I think that if the Arab countries manage to organize themselves into a potent organization that can speak with one voice and have political, economical would, weight, why, why would happen. it not why would it not happen? Look uh, at look at what where okay. where we started from in Europe when, right, when we started. Let, let let me give it in the, in the what okay. the normal person on the streets. This is a saying everybody says: the Arabs have agreed to never agree. <laughs> That's well, the only could, agreement they have is to uh, never agree. Sixty or seventy years ago, you could have said the same thing about Europe. All right, here he, here's 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 an example: the Arab summit where it's supposed to be all the Arab leaders. Only 14 attended and eight did not attend. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, well, the, the one thing that does hmm. uh, pinch my heart a little bit is the fact that it's happening in Libya with uh, Gaddafi. Omar Gaddafi. Yeah, oh, that, that, that case? Hmm. God, that guy's a nutcase, seriously. Anyway. He, just, um, he, met, he met with the uh, Ba'ath party, members of the Ba'ath Iraqi party. Really? Just before the summit. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> um, Randy, I, I had a question about uh, the way the U.S. has been handling the let's go center back to the uh, Israeli issue. Um, how is the, the media? I'm talking about both sides. Uh, how are they taking this um, unprecedented almost uh, reaction to Israeli decisions? Is there, you know, one side of the of the political aisle taking advantage of it? Maybe, you know, no. the Republicans saying blah, blah, blah. Well, no, I guess, you have you know, to, the, I, I literally had a friend of mine who is of Jewish descent uh, email me eight days ago on March the 20th and say, hey, is there anything unusual going on in Israel? Because his in-laws were scheduled to you know, go there on a vacation in a few months and uh, they they had heard that they had reasons to be concerned that you could not look in the news and see clearly whether there was anything going on. That's how really? light the coverage is. Uh, if you're not if you're not paying really close attention, you wouldn't. Well, I know guess the big thing Obama was the met um, Netanyahu. You know, if, if you're not paying close attention, you wouldn't know that Biden met with Netanyahu last week. You wouldn't know because it, it's just not getting covered. Because of the the importance of the social uh, of the healthcare debate, or just because that, they don't care. 
that's up there, but more, more, they just don't care. You know, mm-hmm. the healthcare debate, of course, is the is the big thing that's been covered for months now in the United States. And then second to that has been, oh, you know, whatever's going on in entertainment and whatever's going on in sports and that sort. It's which we've talked about uh, yeah. for years now that that the. the 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 news is is something that very few people actually get in North America. Hmm. All right. Um I wish we had um someone from Israel on the show. Duh. I I actually asked Ayal but unfortunately he couldn't make it. He was here on the show a, a while ago actually. Um but I'm just to be clear, I'm certain that in Israel a lot of people are, I mean, you know, it, a lot of Israeli are clearly opposed to what's happening, um, the decisions that their government is making. Um, uh, it's speculation, but, you know, it, there's always a more moderate um, fringe of the of the country. Well, I, I, which I is, think I agree with you when it comes to liberals and moderates. I think they would be against what the government doing. It's more the movement that uh, the government's doing is more of an extremist uh, religious movement in a way. Yeah. Because this, uh, they consider it their holy land. They have to occupy it in any way possible, spread the Jews all over it. So, Okay, um, let's move on to healthcare. Isn't that another bundle of joy? Well, actually, okay. it is kind of. Let me let me mention something. Dirty. Let me <laughs> mention something about healthcare. <laughs> oh my uh, God! Okay. Now, apparently, uh, Egypt has healthcare and free medicine and everything, and it's so good and so high quality that the president of Egypt decided to go and have an operation in Germany, and he just came back after three weeks. <laughs> yeah, we heard quite a bit about this uh, <laughs> with Osni uh, Mubarak. He's been the president for what, 27 years or something? Oh, yeah. He's been there yeah. for very, since 1982, yeah. I think. Yeah. When was uh, Sadat assassinated? 82 or 84? Something like that, yeah. yeah um, but so what? You're saying that uh, healthcare doesn't work? No, I'm not saying healthcare doesn't work. I'm just saying make sure you don't have a corrupt government, then it works. Ah. <laughs> well, because I'm pretty sure that they do have healthcare in, in Germany also, you know. <laughs> it's not like... Uh, and I suppose he might have gone to a private clinic anyway. So. Yeah. Um, but yes, so uh, the the bill has been signed. It's become, I think, a law. That's right, correct. That's correct. Uh, twice, as a matter of fact, both, both the original, not the original, really, but both both a bill that reforms healthcare in a very sweeping manner, and just uh, yesterday, late yesterday, a the fixes uh, resolutions all uh, got wrapped up by the House of Representatives and sent to President Obama. Um, they that that's the the angle that they took the strategy taken to get the thing passed was a a two bill strategy this wasn't very apparent early on but uh, basically to get around the fact that their opposition were using parliamentary tricks uh, to mm. try to stop it they, the filibuster can can you tell us what it is what what is a filibuster yeah uh, plainly plainly uh, in in parliamentary procedure uh, if you oppose something, you have the opportunity or you have an opportunity to explain why you oppose it. 
And in the United States uh, version of parliamentary procedure, you have the ability to uh, speak as long as you care to about why you oppose it. And you as are, long as this... you can stand. Right. And so uh, what what that became, that almost became codified into the uh, belief that if you oppose something and you can continue to talk, you can prevent uh, a final vote from ever being taken on the subject. And so what people would do is they would get up in the United States Senate and start speaking until so many senators fell asleep or went home that there wasn't a quorum anymore. Jeez. And that's, that's a filibuster. And, and both, both parties did that, didn't they? Exactly. At some point oh, in history. Bo both, both parties have used it uh, because of the fact that someone was likely to get up and speak until everybody went home. What they, what they said was, we don't re this is almost Douglas Adams could have written this, by the way. They, they decided, you know what, we don't really need the person to get up and actually speak. We can just all agree that they would if we <laughs> let them, right? So the filibuster changed in the last few decades from someone actually having to stand in front of the body and read from the phone book to agreeing that they would if they were given the opportunity and therefore we cannot have a final vote. Jeez. And, so, and so, so, so it's not Mr. Smith going to Washington anymore? <laughs> it's, uh, there, it's funny because there are actually, uh, there are regularly in the United States, every two years, someone who has no experience whatsoever gets elected to the United States House of Representatives. In, in some district somewhere, it's often in you know, South Carolina or something like that, someone with no experience manages to get elected. And they are the most interesting people in Washington for about four weeks. And then you never hear from them again. <laughs> <laughs> but so how but, did they get around the filibuster this time um they they uh like i say they used the the democrats that were supporting the legislation used some tricks of their own and uh basically managed to uh get the you know they got a bill up for vote in the senate that was different than the one that had been approved by the house of representatives and then, you know, so then you would have to bring the two together because you have to have both bodies approve of the same exact language before the president can sign it. Okay. So what the House of Representatives did was call for a vote on the Senate's bill and promise everybody, if you vote for this, we're going to come back around and fix it in, second, in a second set of legislation. And that's uh, that's exactly what they did. They, but, uh, they managed why to can't it. they? Why can't the Republicans filibuster that? They don't filibuster in the House of Representatives. They filibuster in the Senate, and and so and the House of Representatives rules are a little bit different. Okay. And so the House of Representatives took a a, a bill that the Senate never thought the House would approve of, uh, is is basically the way it went, and and signed off on it. They voted yes. Uh, they got a majority vote, sent it to the president, he signed it, and then they had to deal with the second bill. They, there had to be uh, a vote on the second bill because they had, you know, they had made a deal with themselves that, uh, that they would fix the, some of the things they didn't like. And to give you an example. In, but then in, they, the, the fix doesn't require a vote from the Senate? Oh, yes, it does. Absolutely, it does. 
And uh, they, but you know, again, because it was an amendment to existing legislation, uh, it, they're able to work around the filibuster. And, and you know, like okay. I say, the rules are the rules are constantly being uh, manipulated and massaged in in this mm-hmm. system. But uh, ultimately, what we've got is a massive new set of uh, you know of law that uh, is going to presumably change healthcare in the United States. All right, so we, we get to the second part of my um, insane questioning and, you know, of, of Randy, because for me, the main most important thing about the proposed, uh, not even bill, but the proposed effort when um, Obama was elected, and the only way that I think Uh, could bring the prices of healthcare and the attitude of the um, of the uh, healthcare, uh, you know, the insurance companies uh, to change would have been to have a proposal for a, uh, a, a reasonable alternative in the form of a single payer system. So if yeah. you don't have that, I don't really see how that bill can be so effective that it's going to fix the dire situation of the uh, healthcare industry in the U.S. You're correct. Uh, this is bottom line. Oh, You're correct. well, that's disappointing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not going to fix the, the, the overall problem, you know, which we talked about at great length in a special yeah. episode of the Phileas Club. But what it is, what they're trying to do is steer in the right direction. You see, if you look like we like we've discussed before, the United States expenditures on healthcare as a percentage of gross domestic product have been rising at an, an unreasonable rate and are higher than any other Western country. The hope is that some of these some of these new laws will steer that in the opposite direction by stopping the you know the the expansion of cost that that is just unexplainable otherwise. But how how will how will it manage to do that? Well, the the major uh, you know the major efforts are regu- more regulation of private insurance companies, and so uh, these companies that that pay for the healthcare for seventy five percent of Americans are you know have have bought their own freedom in terms of uh, by way of lobbying the you know in Washington. And are now getting more, uh, much more regulated from from this law. Can you give us a couple of outrageous examples that you know would motivate? the 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 obvious thing everybody's heard about is is the notion of pre existing conditions, a- or really any way that insurance companies have of not providing health care to their customers. Uh, the, the the hope with these laws, and more, there are more coming, more amendments to this thing. The the hope is that insurance companies can be forced at you know at the at the threat of being fined and and having executives go to jail that they cannot just take someone who's been paying premiums uh, for their health insurance and just drop them. And, you know, there, so basically the the, the system that. allowed for um, bait and switch kind of, which by the way is the first time I use this expression. So. Uh, that's that's very interesting. Um, yeah. It's probably not the the best expression for it because uh, in a lot of cases, well, you you know what bait and switch is when you well, advertise. You, you you bait someone to get something and then you switch what you give them. Right. Uh, really, what what insurance companies were doing is inventing reasons to not pay out 
extraordinary sums of money where people had mm. you know uh, un, so it's, unexpected it's more health care problems and therefore so it's more a bills. a bait and fu kind of situation <laughs> so sort of yeah exactly okay <laughs> and, and and so uh you know the the pre-existing condition uh is is going away it's it's not going to be possible we hope for insurance companies to legally say to someone we're not going to pay for you to go get this, you know, cancer removed because we found out that you previously stubbed your toe. Uh, you know, there were, we, that is no longer legal in the United States. Aren't they going to find other tricks, though? Uh, yes, that's the thing. Is uh, th That's your point. Your point is, unless you get insurance companies which have profit motive out of the way, they're just going to find some way to, you know, to maintain their profits. Well, yes and no. I mean, you have the, my point, which, again, we discussed in the special, but to sum it up in two seconds, if you have a, an okay alternative, which is the state-provided you know, system, then they can't go overboard, right? They, they can make money and provide you with a premium ser service for a premium price, but if they go too far by, you know, in, that, in the direction of screwing you, then you're going to say, F that. If, I, if it's going to be like that, I'm going to take the crappy service, which I, I, at least I can kind of rely on, you know? Right, and, and remember I, the... Just to clarify, sorry, I'm not saying that for-profit healthcare cannot work. That's just the point I wanted to make. I, and I, I agree with you completely. Uh, what, uh, what we often forget is the, that it's not just the consumer, the individual who is being screwed in, in this system, but it's also the healthcare providers, because they have to do so much more than, than in other countries to get paid. Uh, you know, in, in other countries, healthcare providers see their patients, they treat their patients, they apply to be paid, and they get paid. Uh, they, there might be some back and forth uh, on the details, but it's not a big, you know, a big, huge problem. In the United States, a ton of resources go into every healthcare provider figuring out all of the dozens and dozens of different insurance companies, uh, you know, hall of horrors, and, mm -hmm. and then begging them for money over and over and over. You know, just one uh, little thing that I mentioned on, uh, on Twitter a few days ago, a, a, a little piece of statistic that is not 100% relevant to this discussion, but I thought was interesting nonetheless. Um, out of the U.S. and France, it turns out that the U.S. has more debt per capita than France. No doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, yeah. Well, that was very surprising to me because, you know, I figured, sure, we have more taxes and that's how we pay for all our, our services. But I would have figured we have so much social services in in France that the state has to pay for outrageous amounts and has to be more in debt. It, it stands to reason, right? But in the US, so of course, a lot of people rightfully answered, um, the, the US has a lot more spending in military, uh, uh, in the military department, which, right. of course, it's understandable. And it is probably what uh, brings the, the debt uh, so high. But still, as a, a cold statistic, the fact that the very small government, small, you know, uh, conservative 
minded uh, U.S. and I say conservative on a on a global scale. You sure, know, sure. Not even the Democrats in the U.S. are more conservatives than are um, um, conservatives in in Europe. It is surprising that the U.S. Ha has more debt per person than a country like France, which is yeah, but but Patrick, literally how many socialist. I'm sorry. How many countries does the U.S. run? Does the U.S. what? Sorry. How many countries does does the U.S. run? <laughs> yes, that might be another way of seeing it. Sure. I mean, there are definitely explanations, and I, I got a couple of them out of the way. There are probably okay, more. The but... U.S. is rebuilding Iraq, rebuilding rebuild, sure. Afghanistan, paying Pakistan, paying uh, yeah. other countries. No, everywhere. I'm not. I'm not saying there aren't explanations. I'm just obviously there are, but it's just you know a, an interesting statistic to to talk about at this point of the of the political history of the country but um anyway i, I, I thought it was so. relevant maybe maybe it's not you know the u.s contributed mightily to rebuilding japan to rebuilding germany imagine if uh if all of that treasure hadn't hadn't uh, rebuilt right imagine if all that treasure hadn't been necessary to be spent uh what you know what the u.s might have done you know, with its resources, then that would have you know have uh, built up. Now, uh, there you you can go, you can look at it in so many ways. The bottom line in personal debt is that Americans have uh, slipped into a culture of borrowing, and that that is something that everyone everyone in the world, but mostly in the United States, is desperately trying to shift away from. It's you it's know, a horrible thing. We we don't have that culture in france I know. um we don't borrow we of course we do i mean everyone does but we don't borrow it's rare it's it's sort of a um dramatic case where where people go so much into debt that they're not they can't pay anything anymore and they have to you know sort of file for a personal bankruptcy kind of thing um i have only five months ago or six months ago um now that i have a, a you know regular job i'm not a freelance anymore i bought a uh gaming console on credit and it was like a big deal for me because it was the first time that i would pay get something and pay for it afterwards except for my apartment which is more you know common but right. th th we don't have that idea that it seems sort of oblivious of Hey, I can get free money now, and I'll worry about it later. Cool. We we sort of think, a, you know, for half a second, and we're like, but if I do it, it's going to cost me more, and it might become a problem, and blah blah blah. And so, anyway, I don't know why I'm rambling. It's kind of obvious. Okay, is that it? Everyone went silent. Uh, uh, do you have any other questions about healthcare? No, it's it's um, a massive <laughs> issue here. We I mean we could talk about the details of this of this new law I, for hours. I would have one question though, um, because we obviously talked about it. Uh, we had a lot of people um, mentioning. Well, you know, the media were talking about it a lot, mentioning it as a. Um, a cornerstone stone for the history of uh, of social progress in the U.S. Um, what I also got from it, maybe for from the um, the very specific uh, people and and uh, media outlets that I uh, listened to, was 
how hysterical the opposition was to healthcare and how insane it, it became. You know, we hear a lot about the teabaggers, the uh, uh, this is the death of America, we are all going to, to become a, a, a socialist uh, country. Incredible nonsense. Right. Is that the actual atmosphere in in the in the country and i know you're you're in in canada but it's not too far away um, oh it's it, yeah it's, is it that, that bad or is it you know it's the you know people just showing the worst cases i think i think that you do get a lot more of the worst case than than uh a lot of people recognize but at the same time the the opposition that you know there's there's a minority opposition to anything that the Obama administration and the current United States Congress might do. And that minority opposition is frantic. They, they have a very popular, very loud media organization that is just feeding a fire of, uh, of rhetoric. And it is... It is unlike anything I think any anyone has ever observed in the United States. So uh, you can't, yeah, you can't diminish it much because it's okay. it's just because it does exist. It, yes, it's it's protests and it's uh, people screaming at at one another and and families, uh, you know, splitting over uh, what they believe. It's absolutely ridiculous. You seriously do need to find a solution for the Antichrist. You know, keeping him in charge like that is not healthy for your country. <laughs> I, um, I, you know, they, they, uh, you, if you see polls uh, about with really honest, good polling in the United States, you, you come up with numbers that are just—they're uh, hard to believe. You know, fourteen percent of all Americans genuinely believe they will tell a pollster anonymously and not not being asked a leading question that 14 percent genuinely believe that that the president of the united states was born in kenya africa that they, they they believe that and, and you know 14 percent of the united states what's that that's like 52 million people that's crazy there is a, an argument that was made, um, which is they, there have been so much. Actually, it was made by by the president, you know, by Barack Obama, but also by some pundits that there have been so much hysteria over the the topic of healthcare and so much falsehood being spread that now that the bill is actually has once it's going to be enacted and people start seeing what it does for them and you know that it actually provides an incredible service of them not being dropped by insurance companies and children being uh, on the, their parents' health care for a longer time then it might backlash to the super hard line that the Republicans have been taking and that they are going to have to come back to a more reasonable position. It, there, that's an interesting argument, but the question is, what what will it take to to get to a reasonable, uh, you know, position for that right wing in the United States? You know, uh, yes, you could imagine that they would get rid of their conspiracy nuts, get rid of their you know bald faced liars, uh, get you know get rid of their hypocrites, and form themselves as a you know a functioning party. But it's also just as likely that they'll just shrink 
you know, and and they'll mm. they'll hold the line and and split into two parties and and, it, and believe me, if you split into two parties in the American system, you make yourself completely irrelevant. Uh, it, it's uh, it, the solutions are not are not going to be easy and forthcoming. Okay. All right. I feel bad for Turkey because he's been very silent. Um, Let's... I don't have much to say about. Uh, <laughs> well, can you can, can can you just tell us if it was uh, you know I guess Israel has been the main topic of of discussion. Um, mm, I'll just put it in one short thing: the King of Saudi Arabia congratulated Barack Obama for passing the bill. Okay, is that especially significant or? No, that's but interesting. The, that's that's the shorter version of it. Okay. Although we did find it interesting, like so they passed the bill. He's congratulating him. What's the big deal? What's right. your uh, your? Oh, th sorry, Randy. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say it doesn't really. It doesn't. Uh, the the thing in the United States is foreign foreign congratulations is always held against the you know the person you oppose. So if other countries say we stand by Barack Obama in this then his opposition will say see see how you know it's bad you know it's bad if foreign you know foreign countries that want us to go down approve of it and then if the foreign countries don't if they you know or or even if they go so far as to say we don't think that's good legislation then the opposition says see see how he's not capable of working with foreign countries to you know improve our standing <laughs> in the world so it, it's it, you know that that's wonderful and everything and and those who approve you know those who are on the side of the president in the united states or really appreciate that sort of thing but it doesn't actually accomplish anything there okay okay you know what we've been we are obviously uh i think uh and well we are obviously on the side of the democrats and time and time again uh i've said you know we that shame might shame be... shame on you patrick yes all right but let's give a little bit of uh, credit to Mr. Bush. There have been, uh, there's been an election in Iraq in the past, uh, what was it, the past couple of weeks? Right. Um, Democratic election, uh, this, in spite of what the, um, the current prime minister has been saying, all um, the independent organizations have been saying that It went well without blatant, um, uh, you know, fraud. And so, you know, Iraq, democracy, hooray, it worked. It, uh, I, I'm, I'm, it, I might seem like I'm joking, but... It, and the situation in Iraq is definitely not settled and not perfect, but you have to give it to them. They are now voting to elect their leader, which is more aren't, than you can say for, for them for the past few you know decades. Aren't you too early to have an opinion on the matter? They're Why? already fighting over the results. Let's wait and see how it turns out. Well, they're not slash, you know, slashing each other's throats. How do you and, know? Well, okay. <laughs> okay, it might degenerate in a couple of weeks, but uh, yeah. you, think, you so actually think it, 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 there's a possibility of that? I think there is a possibility, and most of the opinions I've seen in uh, international uh, comments by uh, political strategists think it might get worse. And we're talking about Israel, uh, sorry, Iran against the U.S. Because Malki is an Iranian uh, supporter, and now we have Halawi, who's uh, the, an American supporter. So, like, uh, oh, 
how do you call it? And I'm not sure. Like, I'm thinking in French now. Um, outside of the church, outside of uh, religion, secular. his party is secular. Yeah, secular. He is secular. Alawi is secular. He's, he's yeah. Shia, and but he's secular. So that's how. Yeah. So you, th you think there's a? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and Malki is a Shiite and he supports Iran. So we won't know. I hope nothing happens. I do hope that what you said is right and correct and things work out. But to be honest, I'm really worried from the way Malki is uh, opposing the results. Uh, it's not very mm. comforting. Okay. Well, that must have gotten a little bit of, of uh, airtime in the U.S. Not really. Again, it really surprising. And And, of course... The news is still continuing on this right now. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's not uh, uh, it, it it's actually more. There's more news now in the U.S. Uh, on on it than there was on March the eighth after the elections. But it it is not getting the coverage you would expect, and and I think there's there's two reasons. One, even on, on Fox News. Uh, well, yeah, even on Fox News. Um, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's not getting huge coverage on on Fox News. It is not the confirmation of the Bush doctrine that you might expect. It is. Uh, it is. You remember the the this political alliance that is coming into power in Iraq. Hopefully, is secular. And the you know if there's one thing you can say about anything that that George W. Bush has to do with, not secular. You know the uh, admittedly. Uh, George W. Bush is Christian, and uh, you know the people in Iraq are Muslim. But uh, I can't imagine so, that that Bush ever expected there to be. I mean, this uh, Ayat Alawi is essentially an agnostic, and, and it's just it's just mind blowing when you when you think about the you know the religious angle for everything that that Bush ever uh, expected. But then, but then the second thing is this is happening well now, well into the Obama administration and the Obama administration's, uh, you know, governance of what the United States is doing in Iraq. So, uh, the, if if it's good, the Obama administration is going to try to take credit for it, and that you know, so the last thing Fox News is going to do is set themselves up to have been promoting what. <laughs> uh, you know what this has been happening in Iraq for the last year. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, while we are in uh, the Middle East, what news from Saudi Arabia? Oh, Saudi Arabia. Well, there's not much. We are now Saudi Arabia celebrating. We have an annual celebration of culture and tradition. It's a huge event. There's a camel race in it uh, horse really? race and then yeah and then you have I'm this sorry, huge I'm sorry I shouldn't laugh but camel race is funny. yeah yeah so camel races and horse races and then there's a huge exhibition where from all around Saudi Arabia traditional uh, uh, dances traditional uh, uh, handmade crafting and so on are celebrated and people come and show how they do their stuff and uh, what and exactly what, is it a celebration of it's a traditional celebration of traditional culture okay celebration of tradition and culture and apparently you don't know this patrick but the uh, guest of honor this year is the country of france really 
Yeah. Wow. I have never heard of it. <laughs> does yeah, it mean? Just... Does it mean that we're supposed to have some sort of cultural exchange? And uh... yes, yes, you have a huge exhibition. Your, your country, France, is participating with a huge exhibition in the area in the Genadria. That the celebration is called Genadria Celebration or Genadria Festival. And you have brought a lot of stuff. We got a lot of French people playing in musical instruments and uh, a, lo uh, a nice background of the Champs-Élysées. And, uh, and uh, kind of the Champs-Élysées has been rebuilt in that exhibition. And you got some French dancing and cultural events. And Interesting. It's huge. Hey, okay, I'm, I'm, I go straight to the controversy, but how does the sexual segregation work in these uh, uh, circumstances? Do, do the um, foreigners also have to, uh, you know, cover up? Yeah, cover up or and not be uh, in the same. Um... No, 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 no. This is an open. So there's uh, there are two uh, days. Uh, the, there is a. This is, is, is I think two weeks long, but I think there were five days for men, and that's where only men go. And there are eight days for families, which means men and women. But men are not allowed unless they're accompanied with women, and women are allowed if they're alone. So, okay. so it's a huge event, uh, and foreigners they just uh, cover up uh, tradition normally. Nothing serious. They don't cover their faces. Some some don't even cover their hair. So as long as they're wearing something decent, uh, black robe on top of their clothes, and uh, and people who are Egypt. so they they can be in the for example on the day that it's on the days only for men in an exhibition or a concert or whatever yeah women can perform and do things or not no no they cannot oh, okay. perform or do things it's only during the family days that they can perform and do things okay. and uh let's see and apparently the your uh, minister of culture came and uh, to celebrate and open the exhibition with the king mm-hmm King Abdullah, and then he gave a huge, long, 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 long speech, which was in French. Then it had to be translated into Arabic. That guy can talk. Yeah, Frédéric Mitterrand is a controversial figure in the government. Just put it like that. Yeah, he definitely can talk. We got, I don't know what you call them, but this old traditional, I think it's the North African uh, army or something. They wear these traditional clothes, French soldiers, something, and they came. Very they possible. Them. Yeah, I'm not sure what them. you're referring they, to, but they were sal saluting and everything. I don't remember. I mean, uh, they were these the weird tirailleurs sénégalais, think, maybe. Maybe, yeah, hmm. yeah, that might okay. be. Yeah, so, so it was okay. big. Francis uh, really being big in this event this year. Uh, the king. The king has been uh, kicking the religious uh, butt, extremist butt, because uh, he went there and to open the exhibition. First, he let France join. <laughs> All right, so that's one butt kicked. Another butt kicked is because wait, when he why, in... why, why is it bad to let France join? You are you are liberals and corrupted. Ah, okay, right. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> You're the one with the mistresses. Everybody has a mistress there. <laughs> I think it's a law in France that everybody has to have a mistress. <laughs> so, and then he notice how I didn't comment on this. 
<laughs> ah, because you agree with me. That's I why. don't want to implicate anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then he opened the exhibition for uh, the King Abdullah, Abdullah University, Kaust, the controversial university. And right. half of the people there presenting and showing the exhibit were female students. Hmm. So, that's another uh, butt kicked in the, <laughs> in for the yeah. religious. And then he, there was a, we, every year, usually there's an operate, a, a huge song and dance uh, celebration. Usually it's only men this time, although the women did not come on stage, but there were women's female singers and the video did show women, the background okay. video. So, Well, go King Abdullah. Yeah. And apparently there were some French ladies uh, dressed uh, casually, normally, just like... Uh, Par and standing behind the king. Mm. Okay. You're corrupting our nation. Well, uh, apparently we are because when we're there, there are no <laughs> news of people being, you know, given lashes or marrying their, you know, six-year-old uh, neighbors or stuff like that. So we might be corrupting uh. you. That was sort of a jab at Saudi Arabia. That was mean. <laughs> well, there you go. You have um, an apology for that. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. So, no, I'm not. Um, what happened in France? <laughs> I'll be visiting you soon enough, Patrick. I'm going to take care of you. Just wait. I, I'm, I'll be ready. Tell us about France, Patrick. So, in France, what's been happening is mo mainly um, another butt kick, uh, but to the uh, government. We had the regional elections, which, quite frankly, we don't really know what they're for. It's for regional councils. Um, so, you know, we have different administrative uh, structures. So you have um, the department. Uh, the region is bigger than the department. And the, uh, then you have the cities on the, the smallest level. And then you have the government itself. So it goes government, uh, region, department, and then uh, city, municipality. So we were voting for the regions this time. And you don't vote for one person, you vote for a list. And it's all very remote, complicated. You don't really know the person that you're voting for because you're not voting for one person. So people usually don't care. So the uh, abstention, uh, do you call it abstention? People who don't go to vote. Yes. Okay, so the abstention rate was very high. We had something like 40% voters in the... Um, first uh, ballot and something like 50% in the second. And in France, usually for something like the uh, presidential election, you get 80 to 90% uh, of voters. So this was a record, not, you know, all-time record, but it was definitely very low. Um, and the most important piece of, uh, of news is the fact that all but one region are uh, now socialists. So they went to the opposition. It's not so completely... Sarkozy's butt. Yes, exactly. It's, it's not completely uncommon. And personally, I have a tendency to think that these elections are not, you know, indicative of what's happening in the next major election. Not that this is not a major election, but I wouldn't call the, the by any means, the presidential election, you know, over, of course, that's an obvious thing to say, but a lot of people have been saying the whole country has turned uh, red. The whole country is now socialist, more or less. Uh, but this has happened before. You get the regional elections that 
that become very um uh you know in the opposition and then things get reset uh, at the next election but nonetheless you know it's a very strong uh political event uh in the country and obviously people are not very happy with the way uh, sarkozy has been handling things so that was the the biggest uh story in the country uh for the past month or so randy have you noticed that patrick says france just now turned red <laughs> right. Apparently right. they never it's... were socialist. Yeah, you you know it it's what I've been saying for, you know, a long time on this show. Even our, you know, we we you guys consider our right wing to be on on the the left side of the pol political arena in the on the worldwide scale. Um and it's 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 true, but in the country we see the right as uh, basically for a lot of people Sarkozy is kind of george bush no um, you're right not as bad it's more but... like the democrats in the u.s yes exactly but, but to us the reason why i say i was saying we turned red is that we to us to the french people the right wing is very very right wing and they don't really realize that we have that our right wing have has very socialist uh, ideas in many areas so um, and yes, and the other thing that is important to note in this election is the return of the actual right wing, which is, you know, um, not I'm not talking about uh, American type Republicans. I'm talking about um, extremists, you know, the far right. And in the presidential election in. Um, I'm sorry. 2007, uh, Sarkozy managed to rally uh, the people who traditionally went to the far right by uh, giving voice to their uh, to some of their more legitimate concerns. And there was a lot of uh, political praise for this because he was saying, "I, you know, the the far right is giving a, a voice to these people that no one wants to hear because we're being unreasonable. So by, by giving reasonable, uh, addressing these concerns reasonably, we can bring them back into the uh, Republican debate. And this is sort of a, um, a, a, a backfiring, well, not backfiring, but failure of this idea because apparently after three years of, of the, the, the government uh, taking action or you know, uh, doing what whatever they were doing, this electorate seems dissatisfied and went back to the more, you know, controversial, I don't want to say dangerous because this is passing judgment, but more controversial far-right uh, parties and main party, which is the Front National, the National Front. And they were, they went back to the levels of, uh, uh, of uh, you know, power that they had before, uh, Sarkozy came around, and that was a very long speech to explain what happened. But right, because you, you have yet to tell us what they're going to do, like what it um, means. What what is it? What is it? Where does it lead? Well, that's the thing. There was a slight uh, change in the government government, uh, uh, not structure, but one of the ministers was uh, replaced. That's about it. And the the, the reason why it's sort of a lot of uh, much to do about nothing is is that 
they don't have i'm sure they you know they have basically regional budgets that they allot and they decide it's things like i i studied the um leaflets because i don't know if that's the case in in, in your guys's countries but um when the elections come around you get in the mail leaflets from all the par parties in your uh you know what are uh, elections yeah yes yeah, sorry um but and what are parties <laughs> <laughs> right in other countries then um but you, you you get leaflets explaining basically the 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 program for each party so in france for example that might come as a shock to uh even the the, the americans that are listening for the first uh do you call them round Uh, for the elections when you sure. have to... the first round of elections, right. second round of elections. So for the first round, I got something like 12 different uh, leaflets um, because there were 12 different parties. For the second round, you usually only have two. Um, and I looked carefully at each of them and most of them had basically the same agenda. It was make public transportation better, care for our el elderly citizens and a couple of other issues which are obviously based on the region and the needs of the region and the uh you know polls and studies that they do to see what people care about and they all have it's a it's it's surprising they all have the same five bullet points or on their leaflet more or less um so all that to say I'm not even sure what they do and whatever they do, they are not going to change the, you know, big political orientation of the country. It's very local uh, elections, which is why I was saying it doesn't really mean much for the, the next uh, countrywide uh, elections. So there you go. I don't know what they do. The short answer is I have no idea. They manage the, the regional budget and decide right. what kind of uh, transportation you're going to get, stuff like that. You know, infrastructure, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, have, and, and I am, I'm sorry? You have transportation in France? I thought everybody rode a bike. <laughs> well, we ride a bike to the uh, subway and tramway. Um, but yeah, so, and I am moderately interested in, in politics most people are not so that says a lot about how much the these elections uh, actually meant and you know what let's end up with uh, do, do you have anything uh randy about maybe canada or the u.s something uh, uh that is not just healthcare? did anything <laughs> else happen in the last month one of the most interesting things is the united states federal communications commission has uh, announced broad Ooh, the broadband I mean, plan for yes America. sweeping plans to increase their the u.s standing and and you know canada is is above the u.s but has a ways to go too and there there's a bit of a, a, a of a bleed over effect for canada from from any move like this uh, the united states wants to have uh you know high, faster broadband to as as many of the citizens as possible So I think and, that would be the government, uh, uh, you know, overtaking the internet, right? If I read the no, no, what uh, what the FCC has said they want to do is they want to have uh, the government give billions of dollars for private investment in the internet. That is almost the opposite. They almost want to uh, 
remove the the government from what they're doing and and just uh, grant grant money to you know to businesses that are going to speed things up. And, and it wasn't. I, I was being you know the funny Republican guy at this right. point, but it, it that's there, their, there that was their exact response. Oh that right, was, okay. I mean, so that was uh, I wasn't clear enough. That was what I was trying to uh, yeah. you know achieve. Yeah, the exact way. response it was actually there. There was a, a Republican representative from Texas, who is also on the the House of Representatives uh, Energy and Commerce Committee, who just screamed that he didn't understand why they would want to spur investment into faster internet when Americans have broadband already. And what you know what that what? overlooks is the fact that um, America is fifteenth in the world in broadband speed and i mean when you're 15th in the world you're behind portugal you're behind uh, bulgaria uh, belgium you're behind austria you know and the united states does not like to be behind portugal in anything uh, that is sort of a, a fact that has eluded consistently uh, the the right wing and i honestly i'm not trying to pass judgment here but i, I Sometimes am, but in this case I'm not. It's America prides itself, and the right wing specifically pride themselves on being number one, you know, whatever that means. But whenever they're not in quantifiable uh, studies, that doesn't seem to to have any effect on the perception that they are. You know, it, it's very yeah. surprising. So. Patrick, how, how how much is your speed, internet speed? Let's see. Um, theoretical, 30 megabits down, uh, 8 up, I think, something like that. Maybe less up. Maybe uh, how about you, Randy? In, here in Vancouver, uh, we're talking about 10 megabit down, uh, maybe uh, uh, one, maybe 8% of that up. They really throttle up uploading in, in how, Austin. How much do you pay for this? I'm sorry, Turkey. I think you're you're uh, you're getting um, a silent voice with your headset. Can you plug it out and back in? Let me see. The uh, the well, it it's hard to uh, it's hard to explain what. Uh, How about what, now? Great. All right. Great. Very good. It's hard to explain what it costs. Um, really. Uh, well, yeah, because when, do you have you, like a we, barter system or something? No, but when we start, I mean, what is what is seventy uh, dollars Canadian or sixty dollars U.S. a month mean to you? You know. Well, we have currency converters. Okay, well, but are we going to sit here and convert the currency anyway? Sure. Uh, <laughs> how how much how much do you pay for this a month? Let, let, uh, my friends in Austin, Texas, are getting uh, eight to ten megabit down for about $50 a month. Okay. 50 American dollars. Yes. Uh, I am getting 30 theoretical, so, you know, 25 effective, um, for 30 euros, which is um, in dollars 40, so less. Hmm. <laughs> Turkey, what about you? Uh, I got a theoretical 100 download and 20 upload. For how much? Uh, for the moment, for free. How much would you pay if you had to pay for it? I have no idea because we are the first house in the Middle East to get oh. fiber to the home yeah, with th 100 that whole, megabytes. That whole question was just a device <laughs> for you to gloat, wasn't it? 
You bastard. <laughs> uh, actually, we are starting to get uh, fiber um, uh, next year in 2011. It's probably, you know, we had, for a number of reasons, it's going to take off uh, now. Op operators have been laying down the fiber for a long time, and it's starting to get commercial uh, offers now. So no, fiber yeah. is just around the corner in, in France also, which is just to say, to, you know, talking about the U.S., it, if you are 15th now, if nothing is done, yeah. it's going to be worse soon. No, we exactly. got lucky we, uh, for us in our home specifically. We got lucky. We are the first home in this in Saudi Arabia to have this service. We are the testing home for, ev Ooh. for everything. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they just installed. We had fiber for a year now. That was 20 megabytes download, and they just upgraded the whole system last week for uh, 100 megabytes download, IPTV, HD broadcast. Does it, <laughs> yeah. does, does it change anything? I'm, I'm uh, you know, a lot of people say that, like, because for me, everything is pretty much instant. Everything starts, you know, instantly. Uh, yeah. The, YouTube the problem, is instant. Uh, yeah, what? the problem. The problem in Saudi Arabia. If, when I say 100 megabytes download, uh, it does the the connection is 100. The problem is the international connections are still bad, thinking the Middle East to the rest of the world. Sure. That that's where all the problem comes, and that's where the internet slows down. Uh, most of the internet is uh, in Europe, uh, Asia, or the U.S. So that's where the problem comes. So and unless they get the new cables hooked, which they have two gigantic super cables hooking up the Middle East to the rest of the world in 2011. So until then, uh, 100 megabytes, the only good thing about it, you get IPTV. But mm. beyond that, it uh, doesn't really give you that much speed because when I do testing, I get the, uh, in Europe, it never exceeds 10 megabytes uh, connection to Europe. 10 megabits. Yeah, can, 10 megabits. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah that's not too bad still. Yeah, so. But, yeah, oh, blah, yeah but, but saying saying we have 100 megabits, it doesn't really matter, so. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything anywhere, yeah. but it's just, yeah. you know, the size of the tube, as uh, Senator, yeah. who is it, Ted Stevens would say? Um <laughs> Hey, while we're on the topic, uh, oh, sorry, actually, Randy, we sort of interrupted you again. Maybe you wanted to say something about the plan. Um, I think it, I think it'll it'll be one of these things that quietly happens over the next couple of years in the United States, mm -hmm. and I don't I don't see how it will make that big a difference. Uh, I think the really? you know the biz the businesses that are providing internet to the average American are going to continue to uh, do what they do to profit. So if offering you know, four times the download speed at twice the price uh, gets them more business, they're going to do that. And that, that You don't think there's of... something that can kickstart you know, having obligations? Yes, there, there, there are things that, that kickstart that, but they don't uh, they don't start it rapidly, you know, because, uh, for example, uh, it, television over the Internet is is getting people who are on slow connections to call and ask for a faster connection. Right. Mm. But it, that's not going to come about quickly. That's going to very slowly. It's going to spread and more and more people are going to be watching. You know, they're going to be watching the Daily Show on the Internet instead of on their on their television at home. And they're going to be wanting a bit faster and a bit faster. It's it's not just going to jump into one day we're at, at five and the next day we're at 25 megabits. Right. 
Okay, well, I guess we could have talked about Google in China, but I don't know if there's much to say about this, and most people who listen to this, let's face it, are probably technophiles, so they know what's been happening. But, um, yeah, yay China. I mean, yay Google. No, 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 that, that you, your intentions were clear from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you betrayed yourself without noticing. And by the way, uh, the Twitter dude, uh, the guy who pirated Twitter uh, a few months ago, was French, and he was arrested. All right, this is the most important question we have to ask before we finish this okay. recording. Who ordered an iPad? <laughs> <laughs> Not Randy. Not Patrick. Ooh, that's funny. Not that's Patrick. not not Patrick. Twitter.com slash not Patrick. Uh, did you? Uh, yeah, I ordered one. Really? Yep. Ooh, interesting. Okay, well, you'll have to give us your impressions. <laughs> Definitely, as soon as I get it. Cool. Well, I guess that is the signal for us to get out of your hair. I'm talking to the uh, listeners here. Uh, before we do that, though, can uh, you tell people, Turkey, where they can go if they want more of your offensive, insane rantings? Which is not uh, much of this time. Hey, let's, let's disclaimer. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm not always serious. <laughs> so don't take offense for anything I say. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> and if you would like to reach me, you can send me, uh, check me on Twitter. And my ID is Saudi, so that's twitter.com slash Saudi. And uh, if you want to check my website, saudilife.net. And I'm still trying to get the podcast back and running, but keep on trying to finish setting up the office for the new business first. So <laughs> as soon as I'm done with that headache, I can concentrate on something else. Look at you letting work get in the way of your podcasting. That's unacceptable. Uh <laughs> Filling my stomach with food and paying my bills comes before podcasting, dude. I don't That's care. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Randy, what about you? As always, twitter.com slash randydeluxe. I am at randydeluxe.com. And I am twitter.com slash notpatrick. And something new. You know, I think that Facebook thing is going somewhere. So what I did is that <laughs> oh, I, I, I... can I Can I make fun of you? Do you mind if I just if I, I take would the encourage to this? I would encourage you to make fun of me. I'm not going to even let you talk. Patrick made himself a fan page on <laughs> Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> he he wants Why is Patrick it fun? wants Patrick wants fans. Uh or he's going to say that he did he's reluctant and yeah. he didn't really see this as a as a deal <laughs> but but he yeah. he sees some of the benefits of it as you know as as allowing him to to add anybody and and have them uh, you know communicate with him more directly or yeah. facebook you know is probably better your facebook personal profile is better used for friends yes. and family he's going to give you all this rigmarole patrick <laughs> wants fans so well, am, I, am i the only one who's starting to just dump facebook I think you might be. You know, you Facebook be, has been... I, yeah, go ahead. I use Facebook more than I ever have. Me too. Yeah. I've, no, I've started I... using Facebook a lot. They really did an excellent job at making it, you know, relevant and different in the Twitter era. 
and and I see a lot of value to it that I didn't see before, and a different value from Twitter, which is why I indeed started a uh, public facing because I wasn't, you know, I I only I was uh, accepting no one in my Facebook page, no one right. that I didn't actually All know. Right. <laughs> this so. is an important question. Yes, are guys allowed to be your fans? Guys. <laughs> I it's gonna am. Be, it's going to be all men. I mean, I, that's all there is to it. I am a uniformly loving person. Anyone is allowed to be my fan. All right, including you, Turkey. Including you, even you. That does have a meaning. Uh, I might um, be coming in June to Paris. Just wait for me. I will. I've been waiting for you for about a no, year that I'm, you've been I'm, telling I'm, me I, I'm the, coming the, this time. There, there is a conference. I might be attending. Okay. That so. would be great. <laughs> um, so yes, facebook.com slash notpatrick. It's easy. And uh, you can come see me there and we can chat and have fun. That would be great. And uh, if you don't, then I guess the next time we'll be talking will be next month for the next episode of the Phileas Club. That will be probably on Saturday, the 24th of April, I think. We'll see. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.